0: Welcome to the Empower podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Callahan, and today we have Ira Goldstein, the Executive Director of the Black Car Fund out of New York City. Ira, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, Thank you for having me.
0: We are talking to the Black Car Fund. They are the workers' comp organization for the gig economy of drivers in the state of New York. Uh, With the rise of the gig economy, Uber, Lyft, and Black Car Services were really interested in hearing about their unique program, how they're implementing workers' comp, and some of the programs they've put into place. Ira, can you tell us a little bit more about your organization and what you all do?
1: Sure. The uh, Black Car Fund was uh, founded in 1999. Started covering uh, drivers providing workers' comp in the year 2000. Uh, it was done as a, as a state law statute. So uh, we are a we are mandated by state law. If you meet certain criteria as a dispatch facility, and what we primarily do is we're providing workers' compensation for independent. Uh, contractor, black car, and limo drivers in the uh, the whole state of new york um, we 're a little bit unique in that we ha- we work on a uh, a different type of model we don 't work on a premium model we work on a surcharge model so what happens is is uh, a dispatch facility uh, which is your local car service company, black car company, or uh, uber. Um, There is a 2.5% surcharge that is tacked on to every ride. And the bases collect that, they remit that money to the Black Car Fund on a monthly basis. And over the time, it has enabled uh, the Black Car Fund uh, to be uh, a self-insured, self-administered workers' comp fund in New York State. Uh, The qualifications uh, are relatively simple up front. it's that the dispatching base owns less than half its vehicles and that they do 90% or more of their business on a non-cash basis so that's essentially capturing any of the app companies and any of the black car companies that work where the drivers come in with their own vehicles and in the case of a corporate account they're billing uh, the corporate account or in the case of uh, uh, when you're talking about an app company they're using a uh, they're using a credit card if you meet that cr- criteria then uh, the law states that your your uh, Membership in the black car fund is mandatory So it's the bases that are the actual members of the black car fund and then the drivers that are affiliated with those bases receive the benefits
0: that's fantastic, and it's so interesting. I think it's very timely. We have more and more people moving into the gig economy. We've really seen an evolution. Um, can you tell us a few things you've seen change since 1999?
1: Sure. Well, I think for starters, the reason one of the reasons that the Black Call Fund has uh, is is become popular and has been successful is that the uh, workers comp benefits that the drivers receive are portable benefits which seems to be a very big issue in the in the gig economy and what i mean by that is uh, in particular in new york state a uh, a driver as an independent contractor can drive for multiple different companies in the course of a single day so you can have a driver and i'm sure some of the folks that are listening they uh They'll get an Uber car, and the driver has an Uber sticker and, uh, and the Lyft sticker in the car. So it doesn't matter which company the driver is working for. As long as he's on, he or she is on, on a dispatch from the base, then they are covered. So it goes across the board no matter how many different companies they may work for. So from the Black Car Fund perspective of what we've seen with the gig economy is that with the advent of, uh, in our case, of the uh, the um, TNCs, they refer to a lot around the country as the transportation uh, network companies, which uh, primarily is Uber and Lyft, and there's a couple other ones in New York that don't have a national uh, that don't have a national presence yet. Um, the growth has been exponential. Uh, the size of the Black Car fund, the, the revenue and claims activity has probably grown. Uh, somewhere six to seven times in in approximately five years. So that's how we've seen uh, that the growth and how the workforce has evolved in the uh, transportation industry.
0: You know, you alluded to it with the portability issue, and I'm sure a lot of workers have issue with it, but what are some of the challenges and risks to supporting workers in the gig economy?
1: Well, what we've found is that Um, In our in our situation is that you're dealing with um, you're dealing with uh, inexperienced drivers in many situations. So uh, What we found so far in our uh, in our claims experience is that you have um, a higher frequency uh, of claims, but uh, a lower severity Um, the reason for the lower severity is probably because most of most black car companies do uh, longer trips. They're not doing a lot of uh, point to point uh, within the central business district of Manhattan. Uh, They're in a situation where most of the trips either originate in Manhattan and go out or originate out and come into Manhattan. Whereas uh, the app base, the TNCs, they do a lot of uh, point to point within the city so that's what uh that's what we've seen in terms of uh in terms of risk and difficulties on that the other thing is they have a high rate of uh they have a high rate of turnover um it's i think one of those things where they it turns out they're not they're not making as much money as they thought they would or maybe uh they, the ads may seem like uh it it, it it there's more potential than actually exists there uh, for the drivers, so they do experience a high rate of turnover. It, it's lower in New York City than in the rest of the country because they, the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission in New York City has, uh, a good structured licensing plan that, uh, that the TNCs must, uh, comply with. So there's more upfront costs. They have to have commercial auto liability insurance. They have to be licensed uh, by the TLC. They have to undergo, uh, they have to take a test. Uh, they have undergo uh, drug testing uh, every three years. So since the, uh, an individual that may decide to work for one of those companies, they, they have more upfront cost. So there's a little less turnover in New York than the rest of the country where they can just uh, get on the road using their own, uh, personal vehicle. Um, and then just in terms of other, mm -hmm. and then just, uh, I guess in terms of another difficulty, that's not directly related to that, but, um, we find that, uh, the drivers, we have a hard time in letting the drivers know, uh, that they have workers comp insurance and that they have other benefits that we have that are related to the workers comp um the driving community is mostly an immigrant community and a lot of times they might not even have these type of benefits they may not even have workers comp in the country where they where they're from so we end up that uh we have to do an awful lot we do a lot in terms of outreach to make sure the drivers uh know the benefits that they have some might say, uh, "Well, if they're not putting in any in, in, in any claims, that's great." But uh, we're a nonprofit, and we're there to serve the drivers. So uh, we we want them to know what they're uh, what they're entitled to with us.
0: Many of your members may not have had workers' comp insurance before. Can you elaborate a little bit about how you communicate and educate your members? A lot of our listeners probably have challenges communicating with their insured without actually being in front of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, we have we have uh, we have people that we uh, on our staff that are specifically uh, responsible to work on outreach. Uh, community outreach and work with the drivers so we will do we'll try anything to see if we can get some results we do anything from uh, placing uh, typical ads hard copy ads in something called the black car news which is sort of the Bible for the New York uh, black car industry Uh, we when we have opportunities to collect email addresses whether if they're taking one of the courses that we give or they come to different outreach events that we have. We collect those email addresses so that we can we can reach them that way. Uh, some of the obvious social media um, things we use, such as uh, Facebook and uh, and Google Ads, sometimes to try to draw to try to bring more drivers in. So and we also work closely with the Independent Drivers Guild, which uh, which represents the drivers. Um, not in a pure union sense, uh, but does represent them on issues in front of, uh, in front of, uh, Lyft and Uber, and we work with them there. We'll also work with the, uh, with any of the traditional black car bases. We'll hold events at their bases, uh, when, if they're willing to, that we'll come in and bring in, uh, uh, some people, we'll bring in staff. Set up tables, and we'll give away. We make up all different types of uh, promotional paraphernalia that we give out to the drivers. That we put uh, contact information in the black car fund on there, just so that they always uh, try to remember uh, that we're with them. And we try to do things that are car related, whether it's a uh, it's a uh, you know a pack um, you know a package that. Uh, emergency, uh, emergency things for the car, or, uh, if it's pens or if it's, uh, books that booklets or pamphlets that they could keep in their glove compartment. Um, so we try to keep things also to be, uh, related to the, uh, to the vehicle. So we've done all those things. We, we usually bring in, uh, summer associates and they work on specific programs. We'll have, uh, outreach events at, uh, for example, at uh, the um, the gasoline stations that are at the airports they're actually huge. They may have like 30, 40 pumps, and they got a bunch of different stores there. So we'll set up there when the weather's good, and uh, we'll have all different giveaways to the drivers uh, to um, just to uh, promote the uh, the fund and get the word out there.
0: Really creative ideas. I love that one of the things you mentioned was your classes it's really interesting especially for gig workers how you hold classes to actually improve their businesses
1: sure so for um, for uh, probably about close to ten years the fund has had a, a program in place where the drivers can take an enhanced defensive driving class uh, that is required by the uh, the New York City Taxi Limousine Commission uh, when they apply for their license and when they renew their license every three years. And we pay the drivers $300 to take that class. Um, since then, in the last few years, we've added a, a whole bunch of different uh, things. We've added a wellness class that uh, focuses on a few things. One is. Uh, Folks who drive, and it is mostly a male population, have I think some specific issues, health issues related to the industry. So they uh, learn different uh, nutritional issues, um, and they learn how to handle heavy heavy luggage, uh, stretching exercises they should be doing in between, how to how to actually pick up the luggage. Um, what's also included in those classes is we have another safety segment really can never do enough with uh with with safety that's called share the road that uh a group in New York called Bike New York uh sent, brings in a uh, instructor and makes the the, uh, the drivers more aware of uh like it says sharing the road with uh with cyclists and with pedestrians um, we also give them training on amber alerts when uh when a local police department issues the amber alert that they feel a, uh, a child has been uh, abducted and is in imminent danger. And when you've probably seen an international program, we see uh, signs posted on the walls or or on a, uh, at, uh, you know, crossings at a, at a bridge or a tunnel. So we give the drivers extra instruction that we work with the New York State uh, Police Department, um, how to respond to those. And then we also, we have um, New York Presbyterian, had it has a grant and they have someone come in and they teach the drivers hands-only uh cpr so that uh you never know when they may be called upon that they have a a passenger and uh, they might have to uh, perform cpr so they get all that package together and they get 150 dollars for taking that class Um, some other things that we've expanded in terms of benefits beyond what's required by by the New York state law is we have a death benefit where if um, if a driver dies while they're on the job, their, uh, their beneficiaries will receive an additional $50,000. Um, that was as a result of uh, a particularly tragic incident that happened where there was a driver that had four young children and a wife and was a recent immigrant, and we put that policy into place. Um, we also, last July, we added a um, vision plan uh, for the drivers where they're entitled to get a, an eye exam and a pair of glasses uh, once a year. Um, we also have a vision van, but it's really more like a really big truck that goes out to areas that the drivers frequent. Such as uh, the licensing office of the Taxi and Limousine Commission, the cell phone holding areas at the airport, and they'll go there for the day, and the drivers can uh, literally walk in and get their eye exam, or they can sign up and, and go to one of uh, approximately 150 different outlets in the New York metropolitan area and get and get their free eye exam. Um, we also Gave them a telemedicine program, which uh, actually gives coverage beyond workers' comp, where they can the, the driver and his or her family um, are entitled to to have that initial consultation uh, for free. Um, if there's any follow-up that's not workers' comp-related, then they would have to pay. In other words, if a prescription uh doctor prescribes a medication afterwards then they would have to pay for that out of pocket but if it's all workers comp, it's covered and the initial consultation is is covered regardless for the driver and the family we just added we had uh we had a soft launch uh, for a few months but we just did the official launch uh last week we had a press conference with the new york city public advocate and the chairman of the uh transportation um, Committee of uh, Mental Wellness Program, where drivers um, are able to come in um, and get. We have group counseling, uh, and they can also get individual counseling from, uh, from our therapists, our social workers, uh, short term. And if they need something long term, we get them referred uh, to the proper uh, places that they where they need it. Um, we've been having group sessions. Uh, on anything from trying to prevent the drivers to get to the, to get, from getting to the point where they feel that there's no other way out, uh, financially, um, because there's been about eight or nine drivers, um, in all the industries, um, transportation industries that committed suicide in the last year and a half. So we felt it was important to step up and do something. Um, we've also held sessions when there was a driver that was killed on the job. And a lot of drivers wanted to get together and just talk about it, and what are some of the dangers? And they shared ideas of how they could how they could be more careful on the job and things of that nature. Um, we're also getting into where we're providing English as a second language classes. Uh, there's also a class starting up where um, we teach them how to run a small business because as independent contractors, that's what they are. So, uh, some are not familiar with certain record keeping requirements, how to do things to file their taxes, and you know, to maximize their income. And um, we also anticipate down the road doing something, uh, a class on something along the lines of how to be a better driver. And uh, we felt that doing these other things are important, that uh, not just in a sense talking the driver out of taking some kind of drastic action at point where he feels he has nothing else to live for, but to give them a light at the end of the tunnel um, and show them that there's a way that they can, uh, that they can still make, uh, make a good living and, and work their way out of this.
0: You know, I think with the changing workforce, you really hit upon how insurers can support people with better and healthy options, really powerful you know one of the things you've also done is a unique way you've distributed your pharmacy benefit cards to your members. Can you share a little bit more about that
1: sure and that's um that's something that um, we work with you on in particular and uh our rep j p has been uh, has been very helpful with that we um we We try to get out to them any way we can really because uh, as i mentioned we're we we do not see the drivers on a regular basis. And on a statewide uh, on a statewide basis, we're probably talking about close to 125,000 drivers, full time and part time. Um, so it's not the typical employer-employee relationship where someone's reporting to work. So we'll do we'll get the card out to them electronically. We're mailing out hard copies, and we also um, started an app a few years ago where the drivers can let us know. That they um, that they were involved in an accident. It's not legally they can't file the claim through the app, but they let us know that they had an accident. There may be an issue, and uh, that way we can we can get them into the network as soon as possible and get them to see a uh, refer them to a doctor that accept or, that accept workers comp in their area and get them to a, a pharmacy that's in our uh, that's in our network with you guys.
0: High tech at every touch point. I love it. So Ira, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what predictions do you have for the gig economy and workers' compensation, especially as our economy is transitioning more and more to a gig economy?
1: Okay. Well, my best guess that I think think is going to happen is that you'll see something is going to evolve at some point whether it's done at the at state level or at the federal level. Uh, I think remains to be seen how some upcoming elections go. But I think you're going to see a, a third way. I think that um, the employer-employee model and the gig economy, they're, they're, and they're too far apart. They're, they're, there's going to be something that's going to fall out in the middle. You, you can't have a situation where you have a, a worker that, that's getting no benefits and an employer-employee model where they where they're getting you know the standard um, amount of benefits. I think you'll end up something in the middle. Uh, some places refer to it as the third way. You could call it. I used to call it a, a dependent contractor. I heard someone in a seminar call it an, an independent employee. So um, there's all these different uh, you know terms for it. But I think it's going to be a situation where The worker is going to be responsible for some of their benefits, and the employer is going to be responsible for some of the benefits. There'll be something uh, splitting it down the middle, and the model like the Black Car Fund, we believe can be used for other benefits beyond just workers' comp. Um, I just feel strongly that it's something that does have to be mandated. I know there's some other models that are out there right now uh with house cleaning uh you know where you could voluntarily put money into a fund for, for your house cleaner but I think for it to be successful, it has to be something that's done as a mandate um and then it could go beyond just uh workers' comp It's something we explored uh to try to do, but it turned out to be um more complicated than I ever imagined. Um, there were RISA issues, there were other state issues, so I think that when there's recognition that there has to be something done with this, um, they'll, certain laws will be changed that it won't be as rigid as it is now. I always thought that if we just wanted to do a good thing, you'd be able to do it, and we ran into some legal roadblocks when we were trying to figure out how to expand what the Black Car Fund offers, so we'll, uh, we're going to continue to, uh, to look into that.
0: The third way, it's a great prediction and a fascinating topic. You guys are so on the cutting edge. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your great ideas. We really appreciate it.
1: Okay. Well, it was my pleasure. I love, we're passionate about what we do at the Black Car Fund. So I, I love talking about this stuff. We feel like we're doing something good. So,
0: Once again, my guest has been Ira Goldstein of the Black Car Fund out of New York. Thank you so much, Ira, and thank you all for listening. Please join us online at mitchell.com empower for the latest and greatest in all topics about workers' comp and auto casualty. We look forward to talking to you soon.